Hello there and welcome to another episode of MMA Fight Club. I'm your host, Manny Galarza. Today we're breaking down Bellator 270, Pitbull vs. Quayley 2, which is coming up this Friday, the 5th of November, 2 p.m. Eastern Start Time, and it's being held in Dublin, Ireland. A lot of Irish fighters on the card. There's 12 bouts in total. Um, we're going to go over three of the four fights in the main card. Unfortunately, I didn't get to the Elias Bilad versus George Sasu fight because it was added a little late here in the week. Um, but we do have the Weichel fight in Carvello, Gallagher versus Patchy Mix, and of course, Quayley versus Pitbull. On the prelim card, we're going to go over Clark versus Barton, uh, Scatizzi versus Hoy, and um, the two other bouts are going to be Danny Nealon, Audrey Karoch, and the Junior Morgan versus Darag Kelly. So we'll go over these fights one fight at a time, give you some feedback, uh, hopefully giving you some good betting advice if you're looking to do any wagering. But it should be an exciting event. Um, this is going to be, uh, I think, the first time they're having a live MMA event there in Ireland. So the crowd is all jacked up. They're going to be excited. Uh, let's jump into it here with the main card first, and then we'll work our way back down through the prelims. Here we go. The first fight in the main card is going to be a featherweight bout between Daniel Weichel from Germany and Pedro Cavallo from Portugal. Now, even though Pedro Cavallo is from Portugal, he's actually based out of Dublin, Ireland. So he's the hometown kid and he's training out of SBG Ireland, of course, like all these fighters are. So Carvalho, who's 11 and 5 and 0 overall, he's 3 and 2 in his last five fights. He's currently a dog here at plus 190, um, 26 years old, so very young. 5'11 height with 70 and a half inch reach. Now, on the other side, Daniel Weichel, who goes by, quote, Drake. That's funny. I wonder if he likes Drake's music. <laughs> Probably not. He's German. <laughs> anyway, he's 41, 12, and 0. 53 total fights in his career. That's amazing. He's 2 and 3, though, in his last five fights. Now, currently in the money line, he's minus 235. He hails specifically from Frankfurt, Germany. 36 years old in 11 months. So he'll be 37 years old soon. So clearly a full 10-year uh, age, I don't know, disadvantage here for Weichel compared to 26-year-old Carvalho. Now, Weichel's 5'10 in height, so about the same height, and 70-inch reach, so about the same reach. He's coming out of MMA spirit. Now, according to the Tapology public vote here, looks like Weichel is getting 85% of the votes compared to 15% only coming in for Carvalho. I don't agree. Um, I don't agree. I think this is going to be a dog or pass for me. Let's talk about it, okay? I have to have a good reason uh, to want to bet on a fighter who's about to be 37 years old here. Okay, here's a guy who's who's aging, okay? He's 2-3 in three in his last five fights. Um if you look at some of those fights, and we'll provide the links there for you in, in, in the description, look at that Sanchez fight. That was this year. Okay, it was a five-round fight. He lost via decision, but he really lost the fight. On the judges' scorecards, I believe it was 4-1. For every judge, maybe one judge had 3-2. He just can't deal with the forward pressure and pace. Um, he's unable to adjust. You know, some guys, when you pressure them, they'll just ball up. Uh, not a great technique here, okay? So what I'm seeing from Daniel Weichel is that if you put pressure and pace on him, he gets uncomfortable, he balls up, and I'm not saying he gives up, but he becomes very um, susceptible to more damage. And he's not responding with punches. He's not responding with takedowns. He's just sort of absorbing them, okay? More so on Daniel Weichel. I just want to make sure I'm clear on some things here with him because I think the guy, look, 53 total fights, 41 and 12 in O record. That's impressive. Okay, that's very impressive. And I would never want to disrespect the fighter who's a veteran like that. Been fighting for a long time. Okay, but he's got a decision in his last six fights. Okay, what does that tell you? He doesn't have a lot of finishing ability. Okay, so the last six fights have all gone a decision. I feel like when you watch him on film, there's a lack of punching power. I mentioned this the other day. We broke down the Dana White Contender Series fight with... Um, Pedro um, um, Puerta, Puerta, the last guy who had the, the guy who had the last name Puerta, and man, the guy just does not have any punching power, right? And so, 
for me, that's a big issue here with Weichel. Um, I do believe over the course of his career, has he ever had a knockout? Um, probably has. I mean, he's fought a lot of fights. But the bottom line is he's got a very low finish rate at this point in his career. Now, if I'm fighting a guy like that, isn't that sort of like a monkey off my back? Like, I don't have to worry about getting knocked out. The guy doesn't have any punching power. So what does that do for me if I'm a fighter against him? Well, I'm going to be more confident getting in close on him. I'll be more confident taking one of his punches. I'm not worried about it. And again, he doesn't deal well with being crowded. Okay, so that's a bad mix. You know, if I'm studying a fighter I'm fighting against, I know he can't knock me out and he's going to back up and, and not do well with pressure. What am I going to do to him? I'm going to pressure him. I'm going to push the pace. I'm going to put him up against the cage. I'm going to make him ball up. I'm going to make him uncomfortable. So if Pedro Cavallo is watching film and has an idea of what to do here, I would imagine the 26-year-old fighter should do that. He should push the pace, right? Now, Look at the fight against Sanchez again. There's there's uh, there's film there. He slows down a lot in round two. Okay, I want to talk about that too. So Daniel Weichel, a guy who's got a long history in MMA, obviously 53 fights. Is it age? Is it training? I'm not sure if it's a combination. Is it that the, the tires are getting worn out on the, on the car here? Um, he slows down so much in round two with the fight against Sanchez. And Sanchez, who's a younger fighter, okay, is losing no steps. He's like moving, throwing more and more volume. And so the fight goes to decision, but it was never close. Like Daniel Weichel, he couldn't hurt Sanchez. He had a very low volume. He slowed down more and more and more. And honestly, for Sanchez, I mean, he won the fight. He should have finished him. He should have been able to finish Weichel, but he couldn't do it. And for Weichel, hey, it shows. This guy's no slouch. He's a veteran. Even at 36 years old, he's going to stay in there. He's going to take a beating if he has to. He's going to survive the fight. Okay. Let's talk, though, about Pedro Caballo. I wish I had more confidence in Caballo. He suffers from the same syndrome as Daniel Weichel, where if he faces a fighter who pushes the pace and backs him up, he's got no answers, man. He'll start balling up. He'll get beat up on the ground, on his feet. Um, not a great chin, okay? I do think Weichel's got a better chin here than Carvalho. And Carvalho has shown in recent past where if you just chin check him once, he'll survive a little bit longer, but he's never, he's never really recovered. He's not back. And so... If he gets chin-checked here by Weichel, which, again, would be weird, a guy who's gone to six-rate decisions, this could be the beginning of the end for the fight for Pedro Caballo. Again, I don't know that that's going to happen, and I would imagine it's whoever here has the bigger balls, period. <laughs> Whoever's like, listen, I'm going to push the forward pace. I'm going forward. I'm not going to back up. And for me, that's the younger fighter. The younger fighter tends to have... Uh, no, no, not as many fears, right? He's not as worried about losing these fights. Now, with that said, Pedro just takes one shot. If he gets one shot, he, he starts to become a mess. He'll be on the floor. He can't recover. And Daniel Weichel can get his first finish here in seven fights, right? But I think that Pedro Caballo, as a younger fighter, comes in here, okay, pushes the tempo, pushes pace. And let's say by round two, midway of round two, he has more energy. He's more active. So even if Daniel Weichel somehow wins round one, Round two and three go towards a guy like Pedro Caballo who's going to be a little more busy, throws some more punches. I do like his jab. I, I wish he would do more jabbing. He's four and two in the in the Bellator um, promotion, Pedro Caballo is. But at the same time, he's coming off of two straight losses, which you don't love. And on top of that, they're not just two straight losses. They're two straight losses where he gets knocked out by round one or round two in both fights. Now, J.J. Wilson, who he lost to in round two of their fight via ground and pound, you know, he was hurt, man. He was hurt. He didn't look good. Pedro was like on his hands and knees, getting punched and on his back, getting punched, not blocking anything, showing terrible survival skills. I'm going to acknowledge that he does not have good survival skills. His prior fight, he lost against Patricio Pitbull two minutes into round one. 
And, you know, that fight could have gone longer, but it was just such an ugly knockout. It was a one-two punch, and, like, he almost injures his knee as he's falling down. He's, like, just folding like a suitcase. And so you see that, and, and of course, that's going to concern you. If you're looking to bet on Pedro Carvalho, you're like, oh, man, this guy, two losses in a row, hasn't won a fight since 2019. I mean, certainly have his record here for Pedro Carvalho. He hasn't beaten anybody. Like, he's beaten some guys in Bellator, but not good guys. No one that's going to be super impressive or, you know, strike your fancy. All that said, when you compare them side by side, the experience advantage clearly goes to Daniel Weichel. More fights. The IQ advantage, I'm going to give it to Weichel. He's been in the ring more, a lot more ring time. Cardio-wise, slight advantage there for the younger fighter, you know, and if the fight goes longer, that advantage is going to be more and more and more. As for finishing advantage, I'm going to give it to Pedro. It's not that Pedro Carvalho is an amazing finisher, but before he lost the last two fights, he's got a neck crank. He's got a TKO, a guillotine choke. So his three prior fights against Luca Vitali, Derek Campos, and Sam Cecilia, all Bellator fights, he finished all three of his first Bellator fights. I'm sorry. His first four Bellator fights, he had one decision and three finishes. The point is, he's got some finishing ability, whereas with Weichel, it's been six straight fights in a row where he has not, has not had a finish, all decisions, and actually the fight before that was a finish, and then back to decisions. So for him, he's never been a big finisher. I do believe age is a factor. I do believe hometown turf is a factor. Remember, Pedro Cavallo is from Portugal, but he's actually based out of Dublin, Ireland. If you bet more or less every Irish fighter on this card, okay, just bet him straight up. I don't care what the money line is. You're going to make out well because they're not going to go and have this damn event in Ireland, right? <laughs> and then shit all over the Irish fires. It's not going to happen. So consider that in these close fights where you, you're not sure and you got a guy who's 10 years older, that plus money at plus 190, it's for the taking. So I'm going the dog here. I like Pedro Carvalho, but I'm not going to put the mortgage on it because he can get chin checked any moment too. So there's our breakdown, guys. The co-main event for Bellator 270 features a bantamweight bout between the American Patchy Mix versus James Gallagher, the hometown boy from Ireland. Now, Patchy Mix, who goes by, quote, no love. That's a unique nickname for a fighter. Well, I guess it may make sense, right? No love. I got no love for you, right? 14-1 overall, 4-1 in his last five fights. Coming in right now is a minus 270 on the money line. He hails from Albuquerque, New Mexico, 28 years old, 5'11 in height with 71.5-inch reach. And he's coming out of Jackson Wink MMA, so very good training. Um, and he's got a very good record of 14-1. And, and we'll talk about his lone loss here in a second. As for James Gallagher, who goes by the Strab Animal. I don't know what the hell that's supposed to mean, but his nickname is the Strab Animal. Must be some kind of an Irish uh, lingo there. He's 11-1 overall, so he's only got one loss. He's 4-1 in his last five fights. Currently plus 220-ish on the money line you can get him at. 25 years old, so a few years younger than Patchy Mix. He's 5'8", so 3 inches shorter than Patchy Mix, and he's 67-inch reach, which is going to give him also a 3 to 4-inch disadvantage in the reach compared to Patchy Mix. And he's also coming out of SBG Ireland, which you're going to hear that again and again and again. Um, I'd say almost every single fighter on this card who's coming in from Ireland is also coming out of that gym, which is Conor McGregor's you know home club there. Now, as for the public votes here on Tapology, Mix is getting... 76% of the votes compared to Gallagher at 24%. I'm a little surprised, and I'm even a little surprised at the money line. When I've looked at the film of these guys, just my opinion here, I think they're like super close, you know, very even fighters. Like experience-wise, 14-1, 11-1, right? Uh, IQ, they both tend to hold their own in there. They know how to grapple. They know how to wrestle. So even on the IQ, cardio-wise, you know, I've seen both guys go long fights. I've seen both guys be able to sustain their momentum in two round two, three, four, five. So I like that as well. And for finishing ability, again, very similar. You know, it should be noted here, okay, in terms of their Bellator records, all right, 
For James Gallagher, he's 8-1 in Bellator, right? And of those eight victories, six of them he has by submission. And it's a weird stat, but he's actually tied for the third most submissions ever in Bellator history. Now, Bellator history is a young history, and obviously fighters move around from different promotions. But he's a submission monster, and with the short arms and the wrestling technique, that's where he wants to sort of, you know, take the fight. All right? Now, as for Patchy Mix, he's 3-1 and one in Bellator, and he has three submission finishes. So all three of his victories are by submission. Now, it, I want to note this because even though Patchy Mix has only a few more fights professionally on his record than James Gallagher, and Gallagher has more Bellator fights, Patchy Mix has a much more experienced uh, amateur record. So he fought a lot of amateur fights, very good record there. So when you're talking about like overall experience, that's why I have them both at the same. One guy has more amateur fights, the other guy has more Bellator fights, um, so pretty much at the same point. Now, James Gallagher is younger at 25 than 28-year-old Patchy Mix. I don't think age is a factor. I don't think gym's a factor. They both have very good gyms. But what I do like about James Gallagher is two things. One, he's fighting on home turf. I'm going to keep mentioning that throughout those breakdowns on, on, these, on this card. And secondly, he's a, he's a grappler by nature, right? So a guy who can grapple and wrestle, they have, a, they have a way to basically neutralize the opponent, right? So for Patchy Mix, he does do a good job grappling. He is a good wrestler. But his advantage for the length and arm length, right, his advantage to strike is going to be neutralized if the fight ends up being close. And now we're pretty much even, right? We're two wrestlers, guys who could both reverse position, guys who are both formidable on the ground, who could submit people. Again, six submissions out of eight fights in Bellator here for, for James Gallagher. So it's dangerous for both guys. But I imagine that's where Gallagher wants to fight. He wants to get the fight in close. He wants to bring the fight to the ground. And being that he's in front of the hometown, he's a plus 220 underdog. You could bet on Patchy Mix, and don't get me wrong, you could put $275 up to win 100 bucks. But the reality is this fight really is close. It's almost a pick'em, in my opinion. And so since it's a pick'em, I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna fade Patchy Mix and go on the side of James Gallagher. I uh if the if the line was even, maybe you look at Patchy Mix and you take a double take. But what I like about Gallagher is the reality here. This guy is young, he's got the momentum. Um, and I want to talk about something personal here that I thought was really, to me, it kind of popped out. We think of Conor McGregor and you think of the Irish fighters. You, you, this, who's the other guy? Patty, the, the, the recent guy, Patty, with the, the bull cut. who looks like he's from uh, Quakertown over here in Pennsylvania. <laughs> looks like a damn Quaker. Anyway, this like brash, like peacock chest, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm the shit walking around like Conor McGregor style. That's not James Gallagher. The dude has a tremendous level of charisma, respect. Um, for his opponents, for referees, for everyone around him. There's a few links here in the description. You can see his prior fights. Watch how he is. Watch his demeanor. He's extremely respectful of his opponent, respectful of the referees, other coaches. He's nothing like the loudmouth, cocky-ass European fighters that you may have seen from other promotions or may have seen from Connor. And I'm not saying that because I have anything against it. I'm just putting it out there that in terms of how he handles himself, he handles himself like a 35-year-old man, not a 25-year-old young up-and-coming fighter. A lot of respect, which also tells me he's mature. He's channeling his energy in the right direction. At 25 years old, in a co-man event here for Bellator, in his hometown of Ireland, the fire is under his ass, okay? He knows what's at stake. Now, could he still lose the fight? Is, pa is Patchy Mix uh, some kind of a can he could roll over? No, 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 no. Patchy Mix is legit. And one of the things about Patchy Mix I like a lot, he's a, he's a strong first-round fighter. So he gets off to a good start. He presses the, presses the tempo. He wants to bring the fight to the ground. He's got energy. Problem is, if you look at his fight against Archuleta, he goes in and wins round one. Every single judge, I believe, had him winning that fight. 
maybe maybe it could be off on one judge, but I believe most judges on that on that fight against Archuleta had him winning round one, and I think two of the three judges had him winning round two, but then he loses round three, four, and five on almost every single judge's scorecard. Why? He fades. So at some point after round two, his energy level goes down a little bit. He's not able to keep that wrestling tempo. He's not able to keep putting the pressure on. And so for me, that's a little bit of a flag. It's not a big flag because I do think his cardio is actually okay. It's just that the reality is when he lost against Archuleta, he did win the first part of the fight. And Archuleta just took him to deeper waters and was more busy later on in the fight and actually gets the win. Now, one more fight for Patchy Mix that I want you to look at, and I have the link there in the description too, is the Morales fight. In 2021, which is just this year, he beats Morales. Now, Morales is 10-8-1. He's basically a 500-level fighter, right? That fight goes all the way into, what, round three? And in round three, Patchy Mace gets an armbar. Let's pretend it's a contender series match, right? Let's pretend Dana White's sitting there with his little notes and it's Dana White contender series. He doesn't give a contract for that because the reality is when you're going against a guy who's a 500-level fighter, and at that time, you're 13-1, and you're one of the highlights of the Bellator division, and you're a guy that's looking now in the co-main event, right? And you go to round three with a guy like that, another red flag for me. It's like, wait a second. Is James Gallagher better than Morales? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. He's definitely better than Morales. So imagine if you start lining those comparisons up, is James Gallagher giving him more of a problem on the ground? Yeah. Can he submit James Gallagher? Can Patchy make submit James Gallagher? Yes, he can. But we're talking about a guy who at 25 years old has the third most submissions ever in Bellator history. Six of his eight fights, he's won by submission. Not going to be easy to submit that kind of guy. He's shorter. He's stockier. He wants to work in close. He's going to have the leverage advantage because he's shorter. So to me, this is a pick I could see the fight going either way. But if you're going to wager on it, take that plus money at plus 220. I, I'm not going to be shocked if the week, if the, as the week goes on, we're going to have that line move a little closer to like minus 190-ish. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, yeah, minus 190 for Patchy Mix, like plus 180-ish or so for, for James Gallagher. Because, look, he's got the juice right now. And when I'm looking at a guy like Patchy Mix at 28 years old, I hate to say it, but I see him approaching his peak, whereas Gallagher is just scratching the surface. I got to say it one more time. Love the demeanor. His attitude, his maturity. Um, it goes a long way, man. Guys get into that ring sometimes or that octagon. They lose their emotions. They lose their cool. Um, they can't keep it together. Again, a Conor, ref- a Conor McGregor reference. Conor McGregor is a legend. So I'm not giving opinions on whether I like the guy or not. He's a legend. But all the talking that he's been doing before these fights, that has not helped him <laughs> at all. Okay? Khabib literally almost suicide, ki- almost killed everybody in his corner. Okay? Almost killed everyone, like a mass murder. So the talking that Conor McGregor has been doing has not waged well for him in the ring. It's nice for promotions. It's kind of like this guy um, fighting this weekend, Colby Covington. The talking is great. Like for WWE fans and the wrestlers who want to hear all that nonsense and promote the fight, it's great for that. But once you step in the octagon, that shit doesn't help you. It's going to be the calmer, cooler, collective fighter who's going to channel his energy into winning the fight that's going to help. And so not that Patchy Mix is a loud mouth who's going to waste his energy, but I believe James Gallagher right now, at 25 years old, this guy has a chance to maybe carry the torch there from, from Conor McGregor. He has a chance to be one of the next Irish fighters that's really, really good and up and coming. He's obviously at a very good gym. So I like Patchy Mix to win the fight, and I'm going to keep probably favoring a lot of the Irish fighters. This fight is in Ireland for a reason. This guy is set up to, to, to do a good job here. As for Patchy Mix, I'm not surprised if he wins the fight. He's no slouch. He's coming in here knowing he's going to be off his U.S. turf. He's going to be in a foreign country. He's going to have people booing him. Um, he's black, so not for nothing. I'm going to just shoot you guys straight. Like, 
Not a lot of black people in Ireland, okay? So I'm not going to get on to that. But the point is, he's going to hear the boos. They're going to want James Gallagher to win. And if it goes to decision, oh, I'm definitely on the side of James Gallagher. There's no question about it. Any kind of close fights that's going to happen there in Ireland, they're going to give it to the hometown boy. So there's our breakdown, guys. If you don't agree, let me know. And if you do agree... Give me a shout. Let us know how you think about this fight. Let me know what you think. Am I missing something on here? Is Patchy Mix better than what I'm describing? Am I undercutting his ability? Am I selling him short? Um, how do you guys feel? Let me know. The main event for Bellator 270 features a much-anticipated rematch in the lightweight division between Peter Quilly from Ireland and Patricio Pitbull from Brazil. Now, these guys fought earlier this year. It was uh, unfortunately a fight that ended a little bit quicker than people expected because of a cut to Pitbull. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we break down this fight. Let's go over the particulars here now. Peter Quilly is 13-5-1 overall, 3-1-1 in his last five fights. Currently a dog, so even though he won the initial fight here, he is an underdog at plus 160. He's from Dublin, Ireland, 32 years old in eight months, so he'll be 33 years old soon. He's 5'10 in height with a 74.5-inch reach. He trains at SBG Ireland, which is pretty much the main gym there in Ireland. That's where Connor and a bunch of the Irish fighters fight out of. As for Patricio Pitbull, he's 23-10-0. He's 3-2 in his last five fights. He's currently a slight favorite at minus 150 to minus 190, depending upon what book you're looking at. He's 35 years old in nine months, so he'll be 36 years old soon. 5'7 in height with 71-inch reach, and he trains out of Pitbull Brothers, which is the gym, obviously, him and his brother run down there in Brazil. Now, according to Tapology, Pitbull and Quigley are pretty much even here. Quigley's getting 56% of, of the votes compared to 44% of the votes coming in for Pitbull. Now, the initial fight, Okay, these guys fought back in May of this year. Now, in that fight, I believe Pitbull came in as a, as a pretty significant favorite. The fight starts off, and it's fairly even on the feet, okay? At some point, okay, Peter Quigley cuts Pitbull. Now, that's just from the jabs, so it's just a matter of repetitive jabs. Nothing too violent. He just catches him the right way. He ends up cutting right above the eye of, 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 of Patricio, or Patricio, I'm sorry. It's not a terrible cut. What ends up happening now, we go to round two. And now in round two, Patrick gets a takedown here on Peter Quilly. And as a takedown is happening, Peter Quilly is now landing hard elbows from the full guard position. And on his back, he's landing these hard elbows. He lands about two or three hard elbows to the top of the head. Um, not the back of the head, though there was some speculation initially that it was back. It was not. It was top of the head and then right around that top corner of the head with a nice hard elbow. What ends up happening now is Pitbull is bleeding from all over the place. It's like a, a gunshot wound that you can't find the entry point where he's just bleeding everywhere. As round three is about to start, it's like there's blood coming from everywhere. The corner did not do a great job. Doctor comes in and just says, listen, we're waving this thing off here. He's bleeding all over the place. So from that standpoint, it wasn't like Pitbull got hurt. It wasn't like he gave up. It wasn't like he gassed out. None of those factors. But the reality is here, Peter Quigley did some significant damage in a very short period of time. This is the start of round three. So within the first two rounds, Peter Quigley was putting a bang-up job on Pitbull. Cut him above his eye, coming to the side of his head. And so the damage is significant. Um, what I felt like the big advantage for Peter in that fight was that even when they were jabbing from a distance, the reach advantage was significant. Okay, It says he's 74.5-inch reach compared to 71 for Peter for Patricio Pitbull. But when you watch them fight... Peter Quigley is just a much longer fighter. He's got a sort of a karate-esque type of style to what he's doing. Kicks a little bit, keeps good at, you know, keeps good distance, good range. Whereas Patricio Pitbull is the kind of guy who's setting up that one shot, right? He wants the one shot. He wants to hurt you and follow up and sort of pound you out and finish the fight that way. And he's got a good ground game too, which is kind of ironic. He has a good ground game and he took down Peter Quigley in the first fight. Problem is when he took him down, 
He took a few hard elbows, which ends up finishing the fight for him because of the cuts. So I think Queeley, at this point in his career, um, is the better fighter. Patrick e. Pitbull, he gives me the impression, and this is I could be completely wrong here. At his age, at 35, about to be 36, and having fought 33 fights in his career, he's slowing down. Now, that's an obvious point, right? 33 fights, 36 years old, almost. But there's a significant slowdown. I think you saw that in the initial fight. He's not as reactive. He's not as responsive. Um, he doesn't have the quickness that I believe he once had. And so for a guy like Queeley, who's sticking and moving and, you know, the Muhammad Ali shuffle and he's circling and trying to get in and out, you know, jab, hit him, come out. It was like Pitbull was responding too late. It's like he's a half a second too late on everything. Now, I'm acknowledging the fact that Pitbull is the harder puncher. So if it comes down to like who hits harder and who has the better finishing ability, yes, I give the edge to Pitbull. Okay. When it comes to experience, I give the edge to Pitbull. The guys fought 33 fights compared to 19 fights for Queeley. All right. So, but when it comes to fighter IQ and cardio, I give that edge to Queeley. I noticed that Queeley was fresher. Even I know it was two rounds that fight, but he just appeared more, more of a fresh fighter. He appeared like he just was, his cardio was more up to speed. And if that fight had gone to four or five rounds, and it was a five round fight, but it ends after two rounds. I felt as if that would benefit Peter Quilly in the long run. He was more active, he was punching more, and he looked fresher. And in terms of IQ, man, I thought it was brilliant on his part that when he gets taken down, he goes ahead and hits Pitbull with three or four elbows in a row. Um, they were very well placed. He knew what he was doing. It was smart fighting. Um, a lot of guys get taken down on their back, and they're like, you know, they can't do much. They, they just hold on. They can't get up. Um, what does he do? He ends up ending the fight in essence while on his back, you know, not from a knockout or TKO, but because he's able to go ahead and create this massive additional cut after he already cut Pitbull on the feet. So this fight was in May, which is another thing that I want to mention here. If you're not familiar with, for example, scar tissue and how it heals, it does take time and it's different for every fighter. Now, this is plenty of time. We're talking about, you know, seven months or so removed. But, but, am I going to be shocked if Patricio gets cut? I mean, Patricio, I keep calling Patricio. If Patricky gets cut early and he's bleeding early on, am I going to be shocked? Well, I'd be shocked if by a third round he's bleeding a lot again and that Quilly has found a way to get those sharp elbows back on his head again. No. Now, I've heard some people suggest that Pitbull wins the fight because he's going to wrestle, take the fight to the ground. That would be the intelligent thing for Pitbull to try to do. But he's tried that with this guy before and it ended the fight for him. And second of all, I don't think his takedown offense is going to be that effective per se in round four or five of this fight so could round one go to patricia patricky pitbull because he takes down quilly and he owns the position and he owns um you know position points and gets a few strikes in the ground yeah but look the the confidence advantage is definitely on the side of quilly and i heard one person say today that the fight goes a distance and they see pitbull winning by distance that to me is almost an impossible scenario for two reasons one his cardio is not as good as quilly and two this fight is where it's in Ireland. Okay. You got a bunch of Irish fighters on this card. Most likely if a fight goes to decision and it's close, I'm going to favor the Irish fighter. You don't want to be holding a ticket from a Brazilian fighter. Okay. In Ireland in a close fight. So all arrows to me point towards Peter Quilly getting this fight and getting the rematch, winning it, and also taking the belt. And imagine this, it's the main event. It's in Ireland. He won the prior fight, which brings me to the money line. I'm just I'm, I'm utterly shocked that he's a plus 160 underdog. Now, there was some rumors that when the books first opened up, he was actually a favorite. 
I think that the last name Pitbull, I think the family name, I think Patricky's past, those things are all lending towards the reason why he's a favorite. Let me poke some holes, though, in his game. In my opinion, in my opinion, when it comes to Patricky Pitbull, he beats a lot of average fighters, and he's definitely going to beat up a lot of cans. But whenever he takes a step up in competition, like whenever he has to fight a better fighter like Michael Chandler, who he lost twice to, okay, or like Anderson, who he lost to, or the fact that he lost his last Ryzen fight, okay, these are the signals. These are the signs that, look, when a higher-level competition comes in, he's got a problem, okay? Now he's losing fights in Ryzen. You know, I'm, I'm just suggesting right now I see a dip here for Pitbull. I see him kind of taking a slide down here. I think his best days are well behind him. I think for Peter Queeley, he's like right in the midst of his prime. The guy's only fought 19 total fights compared to 33 fights on his opponent. He just seems fresher. He, he did not get cut up in May like this other guy did. So, again, I think the, the cut's going to take a toll here. I think he's going to get cut up again. The elbows are going to play a factor again. And so long as Queeley can avoid the big shot, as long as he could use his head and avoid the big punch from Pitbull, he should be fine. Um, so with all that said, at plus 160, the main event for the Irish fighter, I think this is like a gimme. So I will bet this fight straight up in one unit. I'll put one unit here on Quigley to win the fight. I'm confident he wins the fight. I'm not confident how. is if, if it finishes again inside the distance because of some kind of a cut again or some kind of injury to, to Pitbull, I could see that. Um, but by decision, I could kind of see that even more, right? Now, one thing I want to note, in their initial fight, Patricky Pitbull does land a handful of lower leg kicks that Peter uh, was not happy with, okay? At some point, if you watch that film, and the link's in the description here, his leg is kind of beat up, okay? And again, it's only two rounds, okay? So if it had gone five rounds and Pitbull was not cut up and was still using the lower leg kicks, I could see that being a gigantic problem for Peter Quilly, which I'm sure his team's going to adjust to because he was taking some hard lower leg kicks, and you can see the bruising, the swelling was already there. He was already changing stances, so he was initially starting off in a traditional stance, and then eventually he moved to southpaw because he was having a hard time with his left leg, the lead leg, you know. So a lot to a lot to be analyzed here. I, I can see both fighters coming out, fighting a little different, making adjustments. And is there a world where, where, where Patricky Pipple comes in here and just decks him and wins the fight by a knockout and TKOs him? Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm seeing, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a fighter who's declining. And then I'm seeing a fighter who's fighting in his hometown of Ireland. I believe that Peter Quigley wins this fight. He becomes the end new champion there for the vacant belt. And uh, he has a big party there in Ireland. So there's our breakdown, guys. If you don't agree with me, please comment. Give me your point of view. What do you think is going to happen in this fight? Are you a Pitbull fan? Are you a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu fan? Do you think he's going to be able to bring the fight to the ground in his territory and wrestle him up? It's pretty personal, too. Consider the fact that Patricio Pitbull is usually in his corner. After they fought in May... Patricio Pitbull did have a verbal exchange with Quilly. It was not disrespectful, but it was along the lines of like, let's do this again, and next time it's not going to work out that way. So, revenge is a motherfucker, right? <laughs> so, here we go. It's an opportunity right now. I think this door opens or closes for Pitbull. So, if Pitbull wins the fight, he gets the belt. It's like, I'm back. I'm back. Brazil's here. If he loses this fight, this will be three fights in a row that he loses. That's notable because he lost the fight, obviously, back in May to Peter Quilly. He lost a fight in 2019 against Tofik Musayev. Now, he's fought two times in the last three years or so, and both times he lost. I see an older fighter slowing down, not as quick. Um, too many hits to the head, man. These Pitbull brothers are tough guys, 
and sometimes he just takes too many hits. I, I don't love that fighting style. It adds up over time. And so now even though he's 35, 20, 30, 36, he's more like a 40-year-old fighter at this point. There's a lot of wear and tear in those tires and not a lot of tread left. So there's our breakdown. Again, if you like Pitbull to win the fight, let me know. The main event for the prelims is going to be a lightweight bout between the Italian fighter Danielle Scatizzi and Brian Hoy from Netherlands. Brian Hoy is 16-7 and seven overall, 2-3 and three in his last five fights, currently minus 240 on the money line. He's 27 years old, 5'10 in height. He trains at a ruthless fight company. As for Danielle Scatizzi, he's 10-5 and five overall, 2-3 and three in his last five fights, currently 195, plus 195 on the money line. He's 28 years old, 5'10 in height, and he trains out of bad boys. So... <laughs> Now, according to Tapology, the public vote, it looks like Brian Hoy is a big favorite here, getting 85% of the public votes on Tapology. I'm not sure why that is, because when you start watching a film on these two guys, you're just not sure who's going to lose this fight. <laughs> like, who is going to lose the fight? Not sure if anyone's going to win the fight. And, and heck, if there's ever going to be a draw, this might be it. Uh, these are two very, very, very low-level fighters. Um, you've got issues on both sides here. Let's start with Brian Hoy first, okay? He looks athletic. He's based on his physique. He looks athletic, um, but he's not very athletic. Um, a bit slow. His boxing is uh, is to be desired. Doesn't set up anything, so he kind of winds up for a big punch every now and then, but doesn't have a jab, and he can't take a punch. So he's got a terrible chin, and he can't box. His ground game is not very good either, um, and even his cardio becomes an issue later in fights. Now, if you watch some film on him, you'll see him get chin-checked. I mean, he doesn't have a chin. He cannot take a punch, and his ground game um, is awful. So if a fighter takes him to the ground, which Scatizzi does like to take the fight to the ground, that could be his path to victory. But for Brian Hoy, you know, he's not able to get up. He's not able to take other fighters down. He can't transition on the ground. He's got no submission game. And so, yeah, it's like, how can he get back up? If he fights anyone who's a ground attack, he's going to be in a problem. Now, his last, let's say, six fights, he's winning, losing, winning, losing, going all the way back to 2017, like win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. These are fights in World Fighting League. Brave CF, M1 Challenge, GMC, Brave CF, Battle Arena. So he's never fought in Bellator, never fought in a really high-level promotion beyond M1. And even when he goes to you know fight promotions like M1, he's losing. Like, for example, his only fight in M1 against Victor Kolesnik, he lost round one via punches. If you watch that fight, the link's in the description, he gets, he gets hurt from a jab. You know, he gets hurt from very simple straight punches. They're not big punches. So no chin at all. Um... Terrible balance on his feet, okay? And that's going to play into why I think possibly Skatizi could win the fight. I mean, look, this sounds like a joke, but, like, both guys could lose this fight. Literally, this this could be a draw. These guys have so many issues with the way they're fighting that they leave constant holes and opportunities for an opponent. The issue is, are either one of these guys cerebral enough to actually take advantage of it? After watching film of these guys, I gave them a very, very, very low IQ rating. These guys are making tons of mistakes in the octagon. Um, and they're fighting very low-level opponents. So sometimes they get away with some things here and there. But as they try to fight better better opponents, they're going to be in trouble. Now, again, lucky for both of them, they're both kind of shitty. I hate to say it. They're not very good fighters. And if this gets around to them and they hear this video, I'm just calling what I see it. This, this stuff that I'm seeing in the ring for both these guys, terrible cardio from Daniel Scotese. He can't fight past round one. <clears throat> Excuse me. If he gets into round two, it's a damn mess. Matter of fact, there's a film link here that you can look at here of a prior fight of his. Look at his fight versus Sulwahi. Sulwahi somehow doesn't finish him, which doesn't really make any sense other than the fact that he's not very good either. But he spends, Daniel spends a round and a half, all of round three and all in a half of round two, just flailing, falling. 
He's laying on the ground at times, and the ref has to tell him, you know, get back up, and he's laboring to get up. The other fighter can't finish him. He's throwing nothing. He's just constantly trying to shoot, but he's shooting very lazy and poor technique. And that's a continuous theme with Scatizzi. If you look at some of his other fights, he just gets gassed, has nothing past round one. In his defense, he tends to win round one. Okay, so like, for example, in his last two losses for Scatizzi, he lost against Alfie Davis. And he lost, I'm sorry, the last two losses that I watched was against Charlie Leary and, um, and against uh, Sawahi. In those two fights, 2017 and 2019, respectively, he does win round one. Like, he, he is winning round one. But then he just has nothing left. So he grapples a little bit in round one. He likes to wrestle. He wants to bring guys to the ground. That could be his path to winning round one against Brian Hoy. But if Brian Hoy could simply just survive round one and get into round two, into round three, maybe he gets a better opportunity to keep the fight in the feet. Maybe he could land a few punches. Um, with Scatizzi, he gets tired, but he can take a punch or two, um, whereas Brian Hoyt has no chin, like terrible chin, awful chin. So, like, something has to give here. I don't know why the money line is minus 240 for Brian Hoyt. I, this should be pick him, like minus 105, minus 105. So, in part because of that, that's why I'm on the side of Daniel Scatizzi, because at plus 195, there's more value there. Though, this is a fight that is so low level, and there's so many variables that you're probably better off just passing altogether because whatever happens here, it might be something outside the ordinary or something that we can't really predict. In terms of their experience, I want to give an edge to Scatizzi because he's fought in Bellator, right? He's fought a few more fights in Bellator and uh, Brian Hoy has never fought in Bellator, but then Brian Hoy has more fights under his belt. So like, you know, it's kind of tough to figure that out. And he's also fought in M1 and some decent promotions over there, but there's a slight edge there for Scatizzi because at least he's had a few Bellator fights. For IQ-wise, these guys do not fight very intelligently. There's no other way for me to put it. They just don't fight intelligently. They leave themselves constantly open. There's no guard. They're not they're not they're not defending themselves. In one of the fights here with Brian Hoy, you can look at it here, the the links in the description. He fights against Kolesnik in 2017, and Kolesnik just punches him right in the face. And he doesn't like nothing. He doesn't put the guard up, doesn't move his head, just takes it, and then he falls to the ground. Fight is over. And it's more or less just a hard jab. And it's like, what are you looking at, man? What were you looking at? The guy's right here in front of you, and he's punching you right in the face, and you're just not, no head movement, no guard. Um, granted, he had taken a few shots before that, so maybe he was a little foggy, but just not smart fighting, okay? Just not smart fighting. For cardio, I'm going to give a slight edge to Brian Hoy, because at least he seems to be somewhat, you know, he's got his feet underneath of him in round two and round three. With Scatizzi, there's no cardio at all. If he gets into round two or round three, the fight probably is going to go to Hoy at some point. For finishing ability, this is another path to victory for Scatizzi. He's going to wrestle round one, probably win round one because of position control. If he's got enough cardio to do it in round two, then he can take round two and then maybe survive round three and win the fight. Though, I wouldn't want to bet on that. But his other path to victory is maybe a rear naked choke, some kind of submission, some kind of a choke in round one on Brian Hoy, because Hoy is a very long fighter, not very strong in his grappling, not very strong in his wrestling. And you can see at times in round one, Scatizzi has a little bit more in the gas tank. Um, you know, your body's a little bit fresher. You're, you're, you're not sweating as much. Your opponent's not as slippery. So maybe he could squeeze in some kind of submission in round one. And then maybe he could also clip Hoy. Hoy doesn't have a chin. Whereas Scatizzi, he has no cardio, but he's got a little bit of a chin. He could take a few punches here and there. So we've got a mess going on here in the main card for the prelims. I don't expect a lot. And uh, I'm going to go back to what I said. I'm going to harken back to my advice. wouldn't bet on this fight. I would look at it, enjoy it. And if you have to bet on something, you know, put, a, put a little bit of money there on Scatizzi. At plus 185, you're at least getting a better return. Because, again, just to, just to drive this home, you would have to spend 
$240 to make 100 bucks on that bet with Brian Hoy at minus 240. I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to sound silly, but I have to mention it. Is it because, like, he's black and he looks athletic? And so they're thinking, oh, well, you know, he's – look, I watched the film. The film don't lie, guys. He is not a very good fighter, um, and neither is Katizi. So, again, someone has to win this fight. They're both going to try to lose at times. They're both going to do things that are going to provide opportunities to their opponent. If Brian Hoy can survive round one and get into round two, three, maybe he can just simply outlast Katizi. And if Katizi could do something in round one, maybe pressure him, get to the chin, um, that's possibly a path to victory. Or if, again, somehow he's shored up his cardio and he's able to do more in round two than he's done in the past. So this is a scary fight. I would I would stay very, very far away from this fight. Um, and it's an indicator of what we're going to expect here in the prelims. Um, we're going to break down a few more fights in the prelims as part of this um, fight card breakdown. But... This is an indicator that we're going to see a lot of very questionable fighters here in this prelim card for Bellator 270. And uh, do the best you can to give you some advice on it. But, you know, when in doubt, just stay away from it. You know, just pass and move on. We do have uh, UFC 268 coming up this weekend. And we've got a few cards. And we've got a few fights in the main card here for Bellator 270. This is a fight. Stay away from it. Stay away from it. It's, it's, it's going to be ugly. <clears throat> and one of these two guys is capable of anything. Anything. Meaning anything bad. <laughs> so that's our breakdown, guys. The coming event for the prelims is going to be a featherweight bout between Sierra Clark, the local guy from Ireland, and Jordan Barton, who's from the United Kingdom. Now, Barton is 6-1-1 overall. He's 28 years old. He's coming out of Blackledge MMA, which is a very good gym. We don't have a reach number on him. We have no height number on him. But based on watching film of Jordan Barton, he's a taller, longer fighter. So I would imagine if Clark is 5'9", he's probably like 5'11"-ish to, to you know, 5, you know, almost 6 foot. Um, so that's what I imagine. As for Sierra Clark, the local fighter who's from Ireland... He's at a local gym there called SBG Ireland. Again, that's a common theme here in this card. He's 3-0, undefeated as a pro fighter. And he's also a big favorite here on the money line. He's minus 300 compared to plus 240 for Jordan Barton. He hails from Dagadon, Ireland specifically. He's 5'9 in height. We have no reach number on him. Now, according to the public vote here on Tapology, it looks like Clark's getting a lot of love here. 85% of the votes coming in here are for Clark, only 15% for Barton. I agree. I do think Clark wins the fight. I do want to point out a few things, though. Um, number one, for Jordan Barton, he's terrible at takedown defense, right? So anyone can take him down. And guess what Clark wants to do? Take the fight to the ground. Clark's a wrestler, a grappler, a mauler. Um, he's an okay boxer. But clearly, if you watch his fights, this guy wants to drag the fight to the ground, beat the guy up, um, possibly submit somebody, but more of a ground-and-pound approach. And ultimately... Even if he gets in trouble in a fight, it's going to the ground. Either way, the fight's going to the ground. And with Jordan Barton, guess what he's terrible at? He's terrible on the ground. Now, one thing, though, about Clark, which kind of concerned me, and I just want to point this out. Now, he fought 24 amateur fights, right? That's a lot of amateur fights. And at one point as an, in amateur fighting, he had lost four of six fights. I, I looked at that, and I'm like, my goodness, like, you're losing four out of six fights in, as an amateur that's usually not translating to you becoming a contender in Bellator or UFC or any top-level promotion. So that's definitely a red flag for me. Um, now, in his prior fights, we watched a fight against Courtney, a, guy, a, a fight against Falding. He did well. He grounded those guys out. Um, he won those fights. But again, Falding was 0-1 at the time. And Courtney was also 0-1 at the time. So his record against guys is like, uh, you know, guys that are very, very inexperienced to say the least um guys who have not won fights ever <laughs> in professional fights so that's a concern now as for jordan barton it's not as if he's been fighting much better competition either kind of the same thing 
but he's a taller fighter. The guy has, um, he's not great at grappling. And so when you look at these two guys side by side, it just seems pretty obvious that Clark has a significant wrestling advantage, right? And he's the hometown guy. So let's not make this complicated. Clark has to win here. I'll probably put a half unit straight up on Clark and I'll parlay him. I have a lot of confidence here in the hometown guy. He's 24 years old compared to 28 year old Jordan Barton. Um, he gets the win here. That's that's just my opinion. Okay, we've got the one and only women's bout on the card. It's a strawweight fight between Danny Danny, excuse me, Neelan, the local prospect from SBG Ireland, versus Audrey Karoch, who's coming out of Team Sorrell. Now Karoch is seven and five overall, three one one her last five fights. Big underdog here, at plus four hundred. She hails from France. 33 years old. Now, as for Danny Nealon, the upcoming prospect from Ireland, she's 25-ish. I don't have an exact number on her age. I've been looking around for that. Again, she hails from SBG Ireland as her gym. She's 5'6 in, in height, so she'll have 3-inch height advantage. But when you look at the film on Audrey Kroch, she has long arms. So I would imagine their, their reach is going to be very comparable. All right, so big favor here for Nealon on the money line. She's about 550 to negative 550 to minus 600-ish on the money line. Now, after the public vote here, looks like Nealon's getting a lot of love here. 96% of the votes coming here are for Neelan, only 4% coming in for Karoch. Now, I agree with that. I do agree. But please, take a second here to watch some film on Neelan. I put some links in the description there. Her last fight there in 2020 versus Lopez, the fight almost gets stopped in round one. She's cracked. She gets knocked down multiple times. Um, terrible head movement. Um, is unable to avoid just a simple jab. And to make it worse, a simple jab can actually knock her down. Now, on the flip side, she survives it. Shows a very good chin, is able to sort of, you know, withstand the first round, which is terrible. She definitely loses the first round. Um, but the bottom line is, is that she's always open to being finished. Her her, her head movement is terrible. She's going to get hit. Um, she responds okay to the recovery process. But let's say she meets a fighter who hits her once or twice, knocks her down, gets on top of her, and then grounds and pounds her to the point the referee just says, that's it. No mas. So... That's always a possibility here with Danny Nealon. And at minus 550 to minus 600 ish, that's not a good money line. I would not include this in any parlays. This is very dangerous. I do think Danny Nealon is the better fighter, but minus 550, minus 575, this could be a spoiler. And I would not put anything on the side of Danny Nealon. She should win the fight. Now, on the flip side, let's look at Audrey Kroch. She's terrible. Okay. Um, she has a little bit of energy in round one, but she's 7 5 and 0. Oh. Okay, look what's going on here. She's 7-5-0. and oh. She's a fighter from France, okay? she Her last fight was in 2020 versus Nicole Signy, and she gets pounded out in round three, okay? Um, she hasn't won a fight since 2019. She has no fights or experience on the top-level promotion, whether it's FC, CFFC or, let's say, Bellator or M1 or any top-level promotion. So, to me, this is pretty obvious. Danny Nealon, the undefeated local Irish fighter, is being set up here to get a nice victory. And it makes sense. The one thing I'll say about Nealon, that last fight I mentioned Sanchez, how she gets tagged up, almost loses the fight. She, come back, she comes back in that fight and ends up winning by a submission. So it shows a lot of heart in her standpoint. She's good in the ground. In this fight here, she's an undefeated fighter. Let's say it goes a distance, right? She's 24, 25-ish versus 33-year-old Audrey Karoch. Karoch is coming here to get, collect the paycheck. And for Nealon, it's a chance to just move up the rankings, get another dub. Um, it looks good for her, local prospects. So don't overthink it. If you're going to bet the fight straight up, I would say Nealon by submission, if that prop's available. Um, because betting on the money line just makes no sense. Minus 575. And I, I would even say, listen, to take a sprinkle on Audrey Karoch. Maybe she just hurts her in round one and gets a finish. But I give a slight cardio advantage to Danny Nealon. I did notice in past fights with Audrey Karoch, she runs out of energy pretty fast. 
and the finishing ability would also wager, uh, would also be on the side of Nealon as well. So I like Nealon to win the fight, but man, at minus 575 to minus 600, it's just like almost untouchable. You're going to have to find a prop here. I would even say if you want to take a prop that makes most sense, I would say under. So somehow the fight gets uh, gets finished. Maybe Audrey Kroch finishes Danny Nealon, or Nealon just finishes her by submission or ground and pound. So that's the breakdown, guys. The next fight in the card is going to be a featherweight bout between Darag Kelly from Ireland and Junior Morgan from England. Morgan is 3-0, undefeated pro fighter. He hails from Manchester, England specifically. He's 35 years old, 6'1 in height, and he's training out of Manchester top team. We have no reach number on him, but based upon watching film, his reach is pretty long. He's a long, taller fighter. He'll be the taller fighter here compared to the 5'11 uh, Kelly. Now, Kelly is 0-0, zero zero, so never fought a pro fight, but he does have a nice amateur record, which we'll talk about here in a second. He's a big favorite here, about minus 350 to minus 400 to money line. He hails from Ireland. He trains at that gym you may have heard of called SBG Ireland, and he's 23 years old, so the younger fighter. Now, according to the public votes here, it looks like Kelly's getting 89% of the votes coming here on Tapology compared to 11% here from Morgan. Now, Watching film, it's not that I don't think Morgan is a good fighter. Um, I think if you look at some film on him, he shows moments where he's capable both on the ground and the feet, long striking capability. But first thing that bothers me here, he's coming off a two-year layoff, right? Um, not great, not great. Um, in terms of his pro opponents, right? He's 3-0, like, oh, he's undefeated, right? The combined record of his pro fighters that he fought against for that 3-0 record is 1-16. One guy was 0-2. One guy is 1-10, and, and one guy is 0-4. So the guy that he beat who had the win was 1-10. So bottom line, his 3-0 career is against the ultimate of ultimate of all cans. He's 35 years old compared to 23-year-old Tarag Kelly, who's from Ireland. I mean, look what's going on here, guys. Don't make this complicated for yourself. Kelly is the local prospect. He's 23. He's 0-0. Now, let's talk about Darag Kelly's amateur record. And I want to emphasize, it's an amateur record, right? He's fought no pro fights. But he fought nine amateur fights, and guess what happened? Yeah, you probably are thinking the same thing I'm thinking. He finished all nine fights. Dude's going up in there, finishing every single fight by round one, by round two. Very aggressive, great ground game, submission game, also got hands. So this, to me, is clearly a setup. At minus 410, I don't love the money line. But I'll parlay this piece here, and I'll feel with confidence that I'll parlay Kelly to win the fight. In terms of a prop bet, probably Kelly by finish at some point. I think he submits Morgan because Kelly is a, is a, is the stockier, shorter fighter, good leverage. Here you have got Junior Morgan, who's a longer, taller fighter. Hasn't been in the cage in two years. So I think the advantage here is clearly inside a local fighter. I think Kelly wins the fight. I don't love the money line. I wish it was, I think it should be more like in the high minus 275 to 300 range. But again, local prospect, undefeated as an amateur. He gets a win here. Don't overthink it, guys. You should parlay this piece into a few of your parlays with some comments. Okay, just to recap our picks here in the main card, we like Peter Quilly winning. We like James Gallagher winning, Pedro Cavallo winning. So we're taking the dog on all three of those selections there in the main card. In my honest opinion, most of those fights are more or less pickums, and so why not be on the positive side? If we hit two of those three even, uh, we should be in plus money. As for the prelim card, uh, we're taking Dan Danielle Scatizzi, um to win his fight. We like him as a dogger pass. So we're not confident in that, but as a dogger pass, I think it's a, it's a good choice there. We like Clark over Barton. We like Nealon over Karoch. And we like Kelly over Morgan. Um, again, the theme here is there's a lot of Irish fighters. Most of them are training out of SBG Ireland. And even with Pedro Cavallo, which we mentioned, even though he's not um, you know, Irish in origin, he does come out of SBG Ireland. I've got to imagine uh, all those hometown fighters are going to be getting a little bit of rub there from the judges and definitely get a lot of love from the fans. So 
There's your breakdown, guys. Thanks for joining us. We apologize for not doing every single fight in the card, but with UFC coming up this weekend and Dana White Contender Series and everything else going on, uh, we just didn't get to it. So thanks for joining us. Please like and subscribe as usual. And best of luck if you're doing any wagering on this card, and best of luck if you're wagering on any MMA events this week. Peace, guys.